episode titled, Where's the Meat? Part 1. Fair warning, I'm going to be saying the meat a lot in in this episode. Growing up in the 80s, uh, there was this commercial put out by Wendy's with three old ladies. They were checking over a hamburger and uh, putting a lot of emphasis on the hamburger buns. And they uh, they talk about how round and fluffy the buns were. And, and then one of the ladies says, where's the beef? And when they lift up the top bun, there's a hamburger patty that's not even a third of the size of the bun. It, it looked like it was the size of a pickle. And this, this seemed to be Wendy's attempt to highlight how much larger their hamburger patties were over, you know, the other competitions. I and mean, when you buy a burger, what do you expect to get? And, you know, you want nice size hamburger patty as opposed to, you know, just massive large bun. Um, which, you know, makes sense because, yeah, <laughs> when I buy a hamburger, I expect there to be a substantial amount of meat. I mean, that's larger what I'm paying for when I get a burger. So... This phrase, though, uh, caught on uh, very quickly, it seems, and it was even used in other arenas like politics and et cetera. But the reason I even mention this is because there are some things I hear from people from time to time that reminds me of this commercial. Uh, one of the primary roles as lead minister uh, is teaching, and that, that's, that's what I do. And from time to time, I'll hear things like, where's the meat? I want the meat. Why don't we deal with the meatier things? And I don't hear it very often, but every now and then I get, a, I get, a, I get wind of some things that are said. And uh, my question is, what, you know, what is it that they're referring to here? Uh, when I hear things like this, I do wonder, you know, what are, what are they actually talking about? What do they think the meat is? And uh, what is it that they are not hearing that they want to hear? Um, what what do they think the meat is, and, and why do they want to hear it, right? Is, is the meat just simply those things that interest them? D- does hearing about the meat make them feel good about themselves? Is it a challenging thing to them? Is it something which which they struggle? Uh, what what do, you, what do you think the meat is, and why why do you want to hear it? What makes you say, where's where's the meat, right? Now, I assume the meat has reference to something that we think is deeper, denser, like the difference between eating a steak and having some chocolate pudding, right? That the steak has more substance and it gives you something to sink your teeth into and chew on and savor and the flavors can uh, be more complex, whereas pudding, while it can be rich, there isn't much substance there, right? It's, it's like it dissolves in your mouth. And I guess people would probably have different answers even as to what they think the meat is and, and why. Partially, I, I think it would probably have to do with more where you are on your journey, right? Like, like a child who starts with milk and graduates over time to more appropriate foods, to things more nutritious, you know, for their stages of, of development and what might be considered as a hearty meal for that child from that child's perspective uh, could be quite different from, you know, someone who is older or even younger. But all this got me thinking about what I think is the meat of Scripture. What's the meat of Christianity, of spirituality, if you will? So I'm going to take the next few episodes and kind of lay out what I think is 
the meat and why, right? So when I answer this question, where's the meat? But first, I want to tell you what I don't believe the meat is. I don't believe it's repentance or faith or baptism. It's not laying on of hands or the resurrection of the dead or eternal judgment. Now, this may sound a bit heretical to you. However, I'm just simply repeating what the writer of the Hebrew letter stated. Now, it's not to say that these things, uh, that some of these things are are not worthy of talking about. Um, it's not about discrediting or throwing these things out the window. It's about understanding the difference between what's foundational and what the Hebrew writer referred to as the meat. So let's just simply jump into uh, Hebrews 5, where the writer is laying out an argument to show how Jesus became a high priest. Now, to the Jew, you could trace the lineage of Jesus back to David. Jesus was of the tribe of Judah, and it was from this tribe that kings would come forth. So to sit on the throne um, of David, um, you would have to come from this tribe, and it was from this tribe that the Messiah would come. So an, an argument could be made for Jesus as the Messiah, as a king. Uh, he was from the right tribe. But a high priest? Now, that would be far-fetched because uh, if you don't know anything about the high priest here, they could only come from a certain tribe, and that tribe was Levi. Um, but however, the writer of Hebrews makes the argument that Jesus was not a high priest after order of Levi, but after the order of Melchizedek. And who in the world is Melchizedek? Well, we honestly don't know. We really know very little about him. He kind of pops into the story in Genesis 14. And I mean, he's just this high priest and comes out and blesses Abraham. And really, that's all we know. But now the writer will go on on later and explain a little more about this connection between, between Jesus and Melchizedek. But he interrupts his own thoughts and listen to what, listen to what he says. In Hebrews 5.11, he says, Concerning this Melchizedek and Jesus stuff, about this, we have much to say. And it's hard to explain, literally difficult to expound upon. And he says the reason why. He says, since, since you have become dull of hearing. In other words, this part of the challenge the writer is having comes from the listeners themselves having become really mentally lazy and sluggish. Well, what does that mean? Right? Well, what does the writer mean by this? Well, he goes on in verse 12, and he explains, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. Underline that word in your mind, basic principles of the oracles of God. In other words, they had failed to really build upon what they already knew, well, what they were taught. Um, they had not gained any further understanding. And I would suggest what they learned had not carried over into real life experiences. They had not built any, any further upon the foundation that had been laid down. And so in their current condition, he says, you need milk, not solid food. 
or maybe your translation says meat. Then he says, you need this. Um, and the reason why I say this is because everyone who lives on milk, he says, is unskilled and the, the, or inexperienced. And the implication is you yourself are unskilled in this way. To be able to have the faculties to understand what I need to say. For everyone who lives on milk, he says, is unskilled or inexperienced in the word. Word here is the idea of something that embodies ideas and concepts. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness In other words, the ideas and concepts that relate to these deeper understandings, like the connection between Melchizedek and Jesus, right? It's being able to go beyond what has been laid down and and explore and think and connect the dots. It's it's being able to broaden your perspective and see more connections and relationships between between things. It's being able to, to fathom more of what's going on beyond those first lessons, right? The first things you learn. It's it's being able to Take what you are taught and put that alongside what you see and experience and gain an understanding from all of that. And uh, so the Hebrew writer says, everyone who lives on milk is unskilled. And the implication is that's, that's you. They're unskilled in the word of righteousness. They're not able to put all of this together since he is a child, right? But solid food, he says is for the mature. Now, here's the point. The point is, this is where you are. This is where you are. You're not able to do these things, to put these things together and to understand these things because you are more like a child. You have not matured as you should have, right? Um, And this is why he says, I say this because this is what it's like for a child. But then in verse 14, this this is what it's like for the mature, but solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Think about that, 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 that phrase. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained. So it's not just simply about the information or the content of the information. It's also about the person who is listening, who is receiving this. For those who have their powers of discernment trained, there's something within you, something about you that allows you to receive this and do something with it. And you're able to discern because of this, what he calls constant practice, right? This is something that you, you do on a repetitive basis, You've exercised your mind and your heart and your, your, your life experience as a result of, or should I say, as a result of your life experience. And you're able to distinguish good. I like this word good. It's a word that literally means beautiful, something that is valuable. And so you're able to distinguish that which is beautiful and valuable from what he calls evil or bad, worthless. So the writer, he really, he's really lamenting here. And his lament is that something hasn't happened that should have happened by now. The thing that should have happened could only happen with time and experience. And, but it hasn't happened with them. It's like they're stuck. And it reminds me of when Jesus said, hey, if you live out what I'm telling you, you will know. 
or experience for yourself the truth, and the truth will set you free or will free you. It's uh, the, the Greek there, you will know, deals with knowledge that comes from firsthand experience. You know it to be true, not just because someone told you it was true, but because you lived it. You've walked through something. You've followed it. You did it. And now you have firsthand knowledge of what it's like, of what happens, right? You, you even begin to understand the whys behind it. You, be, you begin to have these aha moments, right? These moments of clarity. That's why he says this. That's why this is the case. But, but something has happened to these people in this letter. Um, that has stunted their growth, and they seem to be stuck. It uh, it reminds me of when I used to read that the greatest command is love. I read it, knew it existed. I could answer the question, that is, what is the greatest command? I could quote the verse. But I had no real firsthand knowledge or experience of why that is the case and what happens as a result. What was the fruit of that? Because I didn't really go beyond just knowing the statement. I didn't gain any real experience from loving others. And I, I didn't gain the whole setting free, you know, truth, right, that Jesus talked about and so therefore, my senses were not trained to discern what really was the right or wrong thing to do in various situations. And that's what this reminds me of when the Hebrew writer, I think this mirrors that. The Hebrew writer is essentially saying, I have more things to say about this, but I don't think you guys can comprehend it. You can't put this together. It may not have the impact that it could have, and it may not be able to, uh, you know, impact your 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 everyday day decisions here. Now remember these are people who well they're have <laughs> they're struggling. They're struggling a lot. We'll talk a little bit about that later on. Um but as a result of the things that were happening, they themselves weren't gaining the knowledge that comes from firsthand experience and they were stuck. They weren't being set free. Set free in their context would be uh, from their roots, the traditions, and the things that they thought were needed still. Um, and so as we go back to this Hebrew letter and listen to what the writer goes on to say, keep that, those things in mind, you know, the words of Jesus. Listen, if you, if you just abide in my word, if you just listen to what I'm saying, if you live it out, it is something that you will experience for yourself. And that which you experience for yourself will be the truth. And the truth will free you. These people haven't been freed, as it were. And so the Hebrew writer goes on to say in chapter 6, verse 1, Therefore, Right. Let us leave. Now, this is important here. Okay, we're we're trying to ask the question: Where's where's the meat? Right? Where's the beef, if you will? Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. In other words, let's lay 
lay down. Let's lay off the milk and move on to the meat. Let's wrestle and struggle with that, right? Not laying again, he says, a foundation of, now here, here are the first principles. I hear those first lessons. The foundation was laid. Here's the milk and not the meat. Repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings and the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and the eternal judgment. Okay. This is why I said, I think we do know what the meat is not, right? So the Hebrew writer says, listen, Let's leave these things behind and not lay down again these foundational things. The milk, it's time to move beyond this. And that milk is this, right? These things that that you're having to relearn again, obviously, because you're wanting to, you're forgetting about these things. You let these things go and they haven't made the impact on you to, to cause you to plant roots and to establish those deeper understandings and to remain faithful in light of your day to day persecutions. And he says, let's let this go. The, the repentance from the dead works and of faith towards God and of instruction about washing and laying of hands, resurrection of the dead, the eternal judgment. These are foundational, foundational things, right? Like, wow. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's saying, I got a lot of stuff to say about this connection between Christ and Melchizedek, but you, you're going to have a tough time understanding this. You're going to have a tough time getting this. It's almost like as if he utilizes the opportunity just to kind of throw something in uh, before he goes on to explain exactly what he's going to explain to, I guess, maybe prepare them for something that might be difficult for them to understand. And the fact that this is a demonstration for you of what has failed to happen and why you find yourself in the situation you find yourself in. And I realize I'm not going into a larger text of underst- helping you understand really what the, 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 the context is and what they were struggling with here. Uh, but I think that there are some simple principles here that apply in helping us understand this concept of the meat and what the meat is, right? Because when it comes to, when it comes to what people think, make them smart. What people think makes them deep, you know, deep Christians, makes them more more spiritual or whatever other jargon you want to use. Oftentimes, that stuff is just simply elementary principles. That's just simply the foundation. And I know from firsthand experience that, you know, these things that the Hebrew writer talks about that are just simply the foundation and are things that you have to move beyond um, there are lots of people who get stuck on those things. They get stuck on trying to constantly prove something uh, about those things, you know, take their stance on those things and never move beyond these foundational things. Um, and, uh, you know, the writer is not excluding the importance of these things, though, or, or, or placing, he's not trying to place any of these things. Um, as 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 not important or like as if they don't have a place, he's just saying that these are foundational. Uh, they've already been laid down. The ground was prepared, right? The, the rebar that's in place, the concrete has already been poured. It's time to build, and that's his point. Right? It's time to gain some firsthand knowledge, have your senses trained to be able to discern that which is beautiful and that which is not. 
to discern that which is valuable and that which is worthless, to be able to discern why this and not that, why this response is better than that reaction, to discern the best course of action based on your experiences or even past experiences because you're living this out, to be able to determine what matters the most and what doesn't, right? To discern what's the main thing and why. It's time to take what we're taught and join that together with our experiences and what we learn and see where it takes us. It mirrors Jesus's words in John 8:32. Hey, if you live out what I'm telling you, you will know You will experience for yourselves the truth, and it will set you free. So it'll set you free from these elementary things onto greater things, onto deeper things, onto things you could or would not experience otherwise. And I think that it is important to make sure we maintain the tie, the mirror here between what the Hebrew writer says and what Jesus says, right? And so as we, we kind of sum this up, understand this. What's truly deeper? What's the real meat, if you will, right? Where's the beef, the real meat? What that will do for you and me. It will have a real impact on our day to day. It is going to be that which will help us do what Jesus said, that if we live it out, we will know, we will experience for ourselves the truth, and that truth will set us free. The deeper things will have a real impact on our day-to-day. They'll have a they'll make a real difference in our lives. Like it will bear fruit that's more than just head space, like head knowledge or you know, uh, putting the dots together in some, you know, philosophical framework. It'll have a real impact on us on our day to day to the point to where we'll take maybe some things that we've learned, experienced some knowledge, some teaching. And as we live some things out, it will show us the why and help us un understand the why and see the connections with these things. And we'll be able to take that and say, I've walked through this and here's what I have to tell you. Here's what I know. And as a result of that, this now makes sense. Okay. Putting all of the pieces together. That's the meat. And that's what the meat can do. And so As you continue on your journey and you consider growth, right? Growing stronger, growing deeper, becoming wiser, roots going down further, whatever language that you like to use, as you are transformed, as I like to say it, remember, okay, remember that this is not just simply about head knowledge, deeper conversations, and words that stay on a page. This is about real life and things that will affect you in your day-to-day. That's a part of the meat, and that's what the meat does. It sustains, 
right? It provides necessary nutrients so that we can continue on in our current stage. And so whatever the meat is for you, whatever it is, whatever those things that you need to do, that you need to understand, that you need to act upon so that you will have or gain a better understanding, so that you will grow, I encourage you to pursue those things. And at the same time, remembering that what's the meat for you in this moment, what it is that you need to see, that you need to do, that you need to act on, might be different from what the person standing next to you needs, right? What is appropriate for your stage, for your place and your journey may not be the same for the person next to you, walking alongside you, or the person who has you cross. And be okay with that. So what do I think the meat is? Well, you have to join me next time. Part two of Where's the Meat on the Walking Closer Podcast.